And now, a Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast presents ECW One Night Stand. Alright guys, welcome to episode 17 of the Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast. The podcast where Brandon would rather spend the last day of my 20s with another friend as opposed to hanging out with me at NXT. Brandon. You know, I'm really sorry about this. Um, should, should, should I explain why I'm so angry at you? Because I, I told I told Drew, who's going with us, that I was going to just rag on you on this episode. So I have to fulfill my promise. Oh, cool. You're going with Drew. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey, here we go. So I text Brandon and tell him, hey. NXT uh, is in Tampa, like maybe two minutes away from the house. It, it's it's here on January 18th, which is the last day of my 20s. And I was like, Brandon, I want to spend it with you. And he goes, uh, I actually promised Joel I'd do something. Now, nothing against Joel. Joel's actually a freaking amazing guy. It's a good guy. But he does his he does his yoga stuff. What was it? His uh what, what do you call it? Dreamers Awake. Dreamers Awake. He does it every month. And Brandon thinks that something that Joel does every month is more important than the one time that I'll have to spend with him on the last day of my 20s. I'll never turn 30 again, Brandon. You you don't want to spend that day with me. You know what it was? It was the last couple of times I promised Joel I was going to show up and then something silly came up or like I had a scheduling conflict. Either they scheduled me to close at work or I had to play a gig. And so it kept screwing me over and I felt terrible about it. And so this is like the one time when he told me, like, I knew I was going to have it open. So I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to make it out. And he was like, all right, cool, man. And I was like, yeah. And then so, so ultimately, let me much- cut you off. Let me cut you off because I, I don't need to hear this bullshit. Ultimately, what I'm getting out of this situation is you fucked Joel over many, many times. So now to make up for it, you're fucking me over in the process basically you're a shitty person that you fucked everybody over and now you're going to redeem yourself with joel because you think you think he's better than me you think he's better than me for some reason you don't appreciate our friendship and you don't want to go watch wrestling with me i'm a victim of circumstance all right it's unfortunate i really don't want this to happen i don't want to have to choose between my friends and then the, the worst part you have the nerve I literally said, wow, he betrays me on the last day, the last day of my 20s. And you said, uh, my bad, bro. Let's meet up with our other friends, Ryan and the Marty Mar Thursday. Uh, I'll shoot you. We'll shoot some pool and I'll buy you a lap dance. And I said, first of yeah. all, the place where we used to play pool closed down, <laughs> uh, which apparently you don't you didn't know that. There's other places and, to play. And pool. then and then you had the nerve to tell me what I was supposed to do for the last day of, of, of my twenties, you told me what to do. I, what if I don't want to play pool? What if I don't want to lap dance? Like I literally told you what I wanted to do, which was wrestling. And then you had the nerve to, to throw your own opinion and say, well, uh, this is what you should be doing. I'm sorry, bro. Look to make it up to you. I better try to make mania this year. How about that? Huh? To make uh-huh. it up to me, you already promised on the podcast that you were going to Mania with me, which we'll talk about that. This week, I texted you and I was like, hey, JetBlue has flights for like $100. And you were like, uh, give me a little bit to uh, figure it out. Figure what out? What What are you figuring out? Like, if you're going to Mania or not? No, no, just dates. Brandon, uh, I mean- Brandon, here's a wrench. Fix your shit, bro. And that's sorry, a toy man. wrench that my daughter left in this room. So I apologize. <laughs> I'm a mess, man. I'm a mess. What can I say? Now I got Christy mist all over the place. Just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. You know, Brandon, uh, this is supposed to air before the, the interview that we did with uh, Chris Hamrick. And so nobody knows what you're talking about right now. What? I'm just going to call that call that out right now. We uh, So later on, we're, we're going to go to our interview with Chris Hamrick, but not yet. Uh, we are here to talk about ECW One Night Stand 2006, ECW, which is funny. ECW. Which is funny, Brandon, because I don't know if you know, but by definition, a one night stand is supposed to be something that happens once. WWE didn't get the memo, and they decided to do a second one night stand for ECW in 2006. You can have multiple one night stands, right? Or, it, is, it, is it a one night stand at that point, though? Right. Yeah, and like, as always, the same person. 
as always, before we get into it, if you're looking at the video version right now, I am drinking a delicious cup of Ethos coffee. So go ahead and get your 10% off with code don't sleep at ethosroasters.com. Uh, I think they might be out of their Red Swan holiday blend. Brandon drank it all up. Brandon, why'd you drink up all my Red Swan? I'm still waiting for my Ethos coffee swag. <laughs> so it's, it's not coming. It's not coming. We, I pretty much, I don't know if you know, but I have your mail redirected from your house to my house at this point. Wait, how did you do that? <laughs> that wait, that's probably where all my Amazon stuff is going, isn't it? Yes. Uh, God damn a lot it. of butt plugs. A lot of butt plugs. But anyway, let's get into <laughs> All right. I just got Prime. I'm just trying it out. I really uh, wanted to know if it was two-day shipping, all right? Right. Right. It is two-day shipping. I'll, I'll confirm that for you because it arrives in two days. But I want to know why you keep ordering the same butt plug. Anyway, let's go into ECW <laughs> One Night Stand 2006. So, Brandon, I would dare I say I think this is your favorite of the two. Would you say so? You know, it's it's crazy because we, we went back and watched the other one. I was like, dang, this was this awesome, the 2005 one. But, yeah, now that I'm you know, remembering back, like this one was kind of when we watched a lot, which is weird because how did this even come about, you well, know? You know, let's 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 get to that. But I think it's because 2005, we were just kind of flirting with the idea of being friends. You know what I mean? Like we weren't actually really friends yet. By 2006, we were we were sleeping over at each other's house and cuddling and trying to find out how big the other's penis was, which I don't know to this day. But one day, Brandon, um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, I think at this time, this is when we realized both of us were fans. And so we all gravitated towards each other and, and to watch this event. And, and, uh, the I, and the penis. Uh, but I remember this one with fond memories. Uh, this one is a completely different feel uh, to the one from the year before, 2005. 2005 was a reunion show. They The best of the best kind of thing. You know, all their greatest hits. You know, trying to make it authentic. One Night Stand 2006, if you don't remember, if you hadn't seen it, um, there was a completely different thing going on right now. So around the time of WrestleMania... Um, there were rumors, rumblings, if you will, that because the previous one night stand was the biggest buy rate, correct me if I'm wrong here, the biggest buy rate since WrestleMania or uh, the biggest buy rate, uh, of a non WrestleMania, uh, card, right. Am I, am I wrong in saying that? Really? Wait, uh, what about the, the invasion angle? Sorry. So besides invasion, okay. <laughs> Besides invasion, I don't know. I was just for being a non for not being a non WrestleMania event. This was one of the biggest buy rates ever in WWE history. Damn. So obviously they took notice of that. So there were rumblings that ECW would be brought back as a third brand. So now a couple of weeks before this, we pretty much get confirmation. Yes, ECW is coming back as a third brand. So the feeling going up to this one night stand was completely different because it was a resurrection of ECW as opposed to being greatest hits and a reunion show. So now you have a situation where this card is pretty much a WWE versus ECW card. Um, they've been confirmed to go to sci-fi network on Tuesday night. So this was held on, on Sunday, June 11th. So June 13th was going to be the first ECW on sci-fi show. <gasps> Wow. So you'd had an event uh, on the Wednesday before this on the USA Network called WWE versus ECW head to head. Don't want to sleep on that event because it doesn't get remembered in the grand scheme of things. But that was a huge event like that. That being, you know, you had RVD. Basically, you had some mix and match going on here. Um, so RVD fought Rey Mysterio. You had um, Mickey James, the WWF women's champ or WWE women's champion uh, facing jazz from ECW. Um, you have, you know, big show who had big show, uh, or I should mention this. Uh, they had a WWE versus ECW battle Royal uh, big show rips off his shirt. He has an ECW shirt underneath effects to that brand. And then, uh, you know, he's an ECW. Now uh, the one I want to call attention to is you had edge, uh, versus Tommy Dreamer. Now, what had happened here, um, and we'll get into the, the meat and potatoes of it later, but what had happened here is 
Mick Foley and Edge had one of the best hardcore matches at WrestleMania 22, finally gave Mick Foley his WrestleMania moment. So now you have a situation where Mick Foley had turned heel and he had actually joined Edge um, and basically said, you know, ECW isn't hardcore. What we did was hardcore and all of this. And there was a lot of build here. Right, he's hardcore. That those fans who sit there and say, he's hardcore, he's hardcore, he's hardcore, wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire, you selfish son of a bitch. So he was almost doing a callback to his, um, you know, his character in ECW that was like, I don't want to be associated with the hardcore of ECW. Um, so you have him basically denouncing ECW, saying bad things. Paul Heyman says, you're a prostitute, Mick Foley. You prostituted your name. You know, you came out with a fucking sock. You know, you did all these things. Basically, you're a whore. And so during this match, you know, Edge defeats Tommy Dreamer. And then uh, Mick Foley cuts an amazing, amazing promo, uh, which I want to touch on a little bit. Basically, he was saying, you know, how are you going to tell me I sold out? You know, where do you find the nerve to call me a, a whore? You know, you think I hate ECW. I love that place. But, you know, ECW didn't love me back because she was the girl I couldn't let go of and all this. And it's, you know, without just verbatim saying the promo, it was such a good promo. Please go watch it on the network. Um, it really, it really built up, you know, his inevitable match at ECW One Night Stand 2006. Uh, so did want to touch on that before we get into the meat and potatoes of One Night Stand 2006. So, Brandon, do you remember that promo? I think we saw the ECW versus WWE head to head live. Uh, yeah, wait, is that, God, <laughs> I literally cut to you. I literally cut to you for two seconds and within those two seconds, your phone fucking goes off. Oh my God. I'm not doing this on purpose, man. This is absolutely ridiculous. You know what it was? I turned it back on because of the interview. All right. Never mind. All right. I got it. It's off. All right. Yeah. I remember this. Now this was on the. Rise and fall. The, no, no, the, so the, the rise and fall of ECW was two years before this. So this was okay. we're talking. This is talking about in go in the buildup to ECW One Night Stand 2006. Uh, again, they had a special show on a Wednesday that was called ECW versus WWE Head to Head. So this was actually like a precursor to One Night Stand 2006. Oh, okay. All right. Dang, so I, I guess think, you. Yeah, I think I missed this. I think you saw it with me, but you, when I say saw it with me, I mean, you were asleep on the couch next to me as I watched. <laughs> Wait, I gotta remember this. I think I, cause I think I remember the John Cena Sabu, but how come I don't remember the. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely okay. do. Cause I remember you had a reaction when uh, Sabu goes for the uh, Arabian skull crusher off of the, the rope onto the table on John Cena. Um, I remember you marking out pretty good for that one, uh, if memory serves me correctly. Um, I'm such yeah, a mark, man. Dude, at that match, by the way, John Cena versus Sabu, uh, the main event of that that WWE versus ECW, that was a, a lot better of a match than people you know remember it for. Uh, Sabu, I think, hit his peak in WWE. A lot of people might disagree with me, you know, but I think they had bigger plans for Sabu. It seemed like he was main eventing and obviously, you know, if y'all don't know, he and RVD kind of got caught with the marijuana. Uh, uh, it affected their push. Uh, but I'll leave it at that before I spoil anything. Um, so, so let's get into ECW one. I say in 2006, like I said, the resurrection was happening. So we all knew like, okay, this is going to be different. So we don't, you know, it was almost to the point where we, we want to see what WWE is going to do because we know it's not just going to be the old ECW. Okay. So we were almost anticipating and kind of worried at, at what would happen here. Yeah. Let's get to that, that sexy card here. <laughs> Before we get into the card, let me, let me mention uh, Paul Heyman cut a really, really uh, heartfelt uh, promo and watching it back. I watched it back the other day. It was a completely different promo from One Night Stand 2005, which was like a thank you for letting us live our dream kind of thing. This one was like, thank you so much for letting our dream be relived again. And, you know, this didn't happen because of Paul Heyman or because of Vince McMahon. This happened because of you. And, you know, he was saying thank you. And it was just completely different, very genuine. 
you know, I think he did have his reservations about bringing ECW back, but at the same time, he was very grateful that the fans, you know, clamored for it so much. But that being said, we could get into the card now. Oh, yeah. We got ECW One Light Stand Part 2. And then we, we open up with this uh, submission match. Taz, Jerry Lawler. It's a submission match. <laughs> it's a singles match. Well, I, he submitted it like... Well, way no to time. spoil it. But yeah, no, I mean, this was cool because, you know, obviously Taz, had his in-ring career was over at this point. But it was cool to get that little, you know, little Taz moment. Um, you know, it'd be cool if Taz could have wrestled a full match. But I mean, this match went on 30 seconds. It was yeah. literally like the king doing something, slapping no. Joey Styles. Yeah. No, sorry. What were you going to say? No, he was, was he like hurt or just, just too old to kind of work? No, out? Taz was, Taz had, you know, going back to like, I think 94, he had, or 95, maybe he had jacked his neck That's and he's been plagued yeah. with issues ever, ever since he came to the WWF with that injury. But by 2002, he was done. Like he was done wrestling. And this was 2006. This is four years later. Right. So, I mean, you know, Taz's in ring career was definitely over. It had nothing to do with age. In fact, Taz was, you know, still a young guy at this point. And, um, you know, it, it was a squash match. It, it, it was what it was. You know, he's J Jerry, the King Lawler slaps, you know, Joey styles in the face, you know, cause he's at the commentator booth right there. And then, you know, just catches them in a Taz mission and, uh, that's it. And it was just a feel good moment for the crowd. Like here's Taz getting his, you know, his due. And then, you know, after the match kind of cool, you know, he just goes and sits at the commentary table. And he's like, Hey, do you mind if I join you? And, you know, so let's call attention to the fact that, you know, <laughs> he was, uh, Taz was, uh, one of the SmackDown announcers, you know, to this point. Uh, and he was defecting essentially kayfabe wise. Uh, he was defecting to ECW to join their commentary team. Um, so that's why he was like, Oh, can I join you? You know, so that was a little cool way to write him in, I guess. It, exactly. Yeah, it was a cool way of to, to not just have him go, okay, like I'm commenting for ECW, like, you know, um, but you know, let, let's get into the, the second match, which, which I thought was pretty cool. And, you know, this goes back to my point I made about one night stand 2005. You remember I was very critical of, Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero because it was just a WWE match on ECW card. Right. Well, you have an example of why I thought that way because the next year we have Kurt Angle uh, versus Randy Orton. No, and I mean, no, no, I don't mean it how you think I mean it. Right. What I'm saying is that you have two WWE guys on an ECW card. Okay. Um, but the way this came across, Kurt Angle had, you know, jumped to ECW essentially, or was handpicked, I think by Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman got a couple draft picks, if you will, uh, to start up the ECW brand. Kurt Angle was one of them. Right. Kurt Angle came out and had, he had completely revamped his character to more of an ECW style. Kurt Angle doesn't get enough credit. I know in the grand scheme of things, he hated his ECW time, but he doesn't get enough credit for the fact that he completely revamped his character to where he looked like an ECW superstar. Right. So he was doing a lot more mat based wrestling, slapping Randy Orton around. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot more catch as catch can wrestling really fit the ECW style, really gritty stuff. And so you have a match here that, you know, I almost forgot that technically it's WWE versus WWE because the way it came across was Kurt Angle's fucking representing ECW. Right. So he did a great job here, man. And how about uh, the easily... crowd just giving Orton? Yes. Oh my gosh. They were giving they on Orton during this match. And this is not the Viper Orton. Remember, this is the legend killer Orton. So he was still pretty boy, you know, didn't have the full sleeves yet, but he had some tattoos. So he was still like that cocky son of a bitch. And he comes out and this little Indian kid like punches him in the arm. <laughs> and <laughs> Orton turns around and he like shows him his chin, like, you know, hit me in my face, uh, you know, kind of thing. And so Orton's just on full display here. He basically goes, all you sons of bitches, you know, like he like does this stuff to the crowd. Did you say like all my fans at one point in a match? Is that was the end. Match? That okay, was the yeah, end. Yeah, 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 the end when Kurt Angle, you know, taps him out. And then uh, he's being, and again, he's just playing it up. It's so heel. It's so anti-ECW. He calls for some referees to help him to the back. <laughs> you know, again, <laughs> ECW was meant for, you know, you, you toughed it out. 
So for yeah. Orton to call, you know, people to help him to the back, oh, it was perfect for a heel. Um, it, you know, especially in ECW, they were chanting like "pussy, pussy," like you know, right. they're they're calling him every name in the book. And then while they're doing this, and he's like hobbling out, you know, he's going, "My fans, my fans," <laughs> and uh, it was it was uh, early heel Orton was just yeah. really great. Uh, it's funny because I think his current character would fit in ECW. But his character at this time definitely was anti ECW. Uh, now, did he at least get to hit the pose with the pyro? So let's take. <laughs> so yeah, it was very jarring, uh, you know, for an ECW fan because he goes into the ring, and he does his classic pose, and from the sky falls his pyro, and Joey Styles says it like, "What the hell is this?" Like you know, like. <laughs> Like Pyro and ECW, what in the hell? And it was great. Again, it just it everything he did that night was so perfect. He doesn't get enough credit for putting Kurt Angle over as an ECW superstar, um, or I sorry, an ECW extremist as they were called. So they weren't superstars; they were yeah. extremists. Um, but yeah, he hits that pose. The Pyro falls, and it's almost like these damn WWE guys brought their Pyro. You know, like it, it was just really funny in kayfabe. <laughs> holy crap man all right so moving on we get uh the fbi uh with the guido wait this is this is like so they do this match again from no no because th- this is this is not a triple uh three yeah it's not a triple yeah but this is kind of kind of you got little guido and and tony mama luke versus yeah. uh super crazy and Tajiri who are teaming up this time um, now, now I should mention Tajiri gets a big pop, and there's a reason for that. He, at this time, at this one night stand, he had quit the WWF. I keep saying WWF. I'm sorry, uh, the WWE. Right. He quit the WWE in 2005. He was back in Japan. He's working for a company called Hustle, um, which he has on his tights here. Now, the reason I mention that is because he was coming back to do this one-off match for ECW. Uh, so it was a cool moment. The fans really appreciated it. Uh, he and super crazy. It wasn't a match to write home about though. I, in the grand scheme of things, I guess maybe cause it was the only W you know, one of two, actually one only ECW versus ECW matches. Right. So I think it, it didn't really have a big storyline going into it. Uh, so that should segue us. I think I skipped something, which I wanted to talk about cause I think it happened before, uh, this match. It might've happened after. JBL comes out again. <laughs> oh man. JBL comes out on the same balcony they were on the, you know, the previous year, but this time all the fans are there. Um it wasn't just empty, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, JBL comes up and he's talking about, you know, he had announced now you got to remember a week before JBL had basically said he's not going to wrestle anymore. So he pretty much at this time retired. And you have a situation where you didn't know what Bradshaw was going to do, what JBL, sorry, was going to do. So he comes out and just everything he was saying the year before, he's saying again. And then he goes, you know, you all weren't talking about ECW one night stand last year when you left. You were talking about when I beat up that blue (laughs) bastard, you know, like that blue meanie. And, you know, he calls himself the king of hardcore, like every uh, real true heat he gets in this promo because he basically is insinuating of course you were talking about me after the event not you know your ecw guys and then he shocks us with a big announcement that basically says taz you were on network tv and you traded it all in for crappy ecw on sci-fi and he's like a perfect network for all you nerds you know now you're gonna you're gonna get your sci-fi stuff and you're gonna get your ecw how great you know that sort of thing that's the way he says it and uh, how are you gonna have jbl kill it you know each year Oh, his promos. Right. He yeah, might have the highlight of ECW one night stand every, every he year. He should have been at ECW, yeah. He would have killed it. He would have been a true heel, uh, which is great. Uh JBL's a lot more talented than I ever gave him credit for back in the day. Uh, but he that leads us to his big announcement, which was that he was going to replace Taz as the color commentator on SmackDown. So that's how we get JBL commentating around this time period. Uh and I think a lot of people sleep on JBL, but I think me and you have the general consensus that he's one of the greatest color commentators in the history of the business. Oh yeah. I love, love the JBL on commentary. 
even though he was mean to uh, <laughs> Ronaldo. <laughs> but maybe they'll maybe they'll work it out. So yeah, anyway, he was, yeah. Wait, no, what were we gonna say? No, it's all good. Uh, uh, he, he was mean tomorrow, but you know, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think he meant it. I think he just did a joke that was a little bit too too much. You know, let's just say it like that. JBL does have a history of being like a the kind of guy. Right. <laughs> I, I I won't speak on it more. If you want my true comment, uh, if you want my true commentary on the situation, call the WCW hotline 909-9900. Um <laughs> So speaking of the WCW hotline, little sidebar, uh, Mean Gene Okerlund, who was in charge of that WCW hotline, uh, did pass away this week. So we want to send our condolences to Mean Gene and his family. Uh, the voice of my childhood. So many great uh, promos. I mean, just I can't imagine a Hogan promo starting off with anything besides, well, you know something, Mean Gene. So, you know, and Iron Sheik even. Iron Sheik, let me tell you something, Gene Mean. <laughs> uh, so it kind of su- it sucks man it, it really does suck but uh just want to do that little sidebar but let's let's get back into ecw one night stand yeah so then up next we get a, another crazy match man between ray mysterio and sabu right ray mysterio doesn't get enough credit for this match so oh, let's, let's give ray was counting it yeah let's let's give the little backstory here which is uh ray mysterio had won the 2006 world rumble dedicated it to the memory of Eddie Guerrero, who had passed away two months before, uh, won the world title in a triple threat against Randy Orton and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 22. And so he is the world champion going into this event. Paul Heyman had said, you know, and I won't call attention to the other one right now, but said in the two championship matches, whoever won, if not both, they would be rechristened the ECW world heavyweight champion. Wow. So that's what the build was for this, that it was like, well, Sabu might become the ECW champion because if he wins the world heavyweight title, it's going to be rechristened to the world. I'm um, sorry, the ECW heavyweight champion. So that was the backstory going into this. Sabu was built like a fucking champ going into this match, you know, had re- taken out John Cena, the WWE champion at the time. Um, was coming after Ray's title. Uh, Ray doesn't get enough credit. He comes out in the classic gear, like the tights. He was wearing baggy pants at this time. He comes out in the tights. He comes out with the mask that says ECW. Um, yeah. Which people thought was disingenuous. <laughs> yeah. They weren't happy. Um, yeah. They weren't happy about that, which is so funny. Apparently, every year at One Night Stand, there's a controversy with a Luchador's mask. Um, <laughs> but this match just out the gate was so great. They, like Sabu's holding a chair and he's just ready to kill. And so Rey Mysterio goes and he grabs a chair to uh, combat that. And they just start swinging chairs. And it sounds like gunshots when they're hitting each other. I mean, this is stuff that people should do now. Um, You know, just dueling chairs. Um, Great match. You have a spot where uh, Sabu's on the, on a table outside. He's standing on the table. Ray jumps and he basically lands on uh, Sabu. And when he lands on Sabu, they just shatter the table. Looks like Sabu hurts his arm. It gets one of the best chants of the night. Um, just great stuff. Only and, for Sabu to follow it up. Well, that's where I'm gonna why I'm gonna say the match gets shit on. You remember I said that Randy Orton got helped to the back and that you know they shit it on it because that's you get heat with ECW fans for you know be having to be taken out. Right. The way this match ends is Rey Mysterio is standing on a table. Sabu jumps up on the top rope and DDTs him straight through the table, which is fine and dandy. You got a holy shit chant. It was the spot of the match. And then all these trainers run out and the one, I'll never forget the visual. He goes, that's it. They can't compete anymore. (laughs) And they call the match off. And it was really controversial because you're wanting to reestablish this hardcore brand and you call off the championship match. I think this really in hindsight, that was the wrong decision to make with this match. I get why they did it because in their heads on paper, it made Sabu look strong because he didn't lose the match. Ray didn't lose the title. Right. 
but but again when it was executed it didn't come across good because it was like no ecw match should end like that especially when fans knew it was a storyline so it, it just the ending in a no contest was not something you do in an ecw match even if they were crawling maybe and saying no you can't stop the match and like trying to fight again like i feel like it would have been better than the way they did it i don't know it was just poorly executed in my opinion but what do you think about that ending yeah um great great spot um i hate to have the way and you know take away from the match itself um but yeah in like in hindsight it was a little silly for them to have it in that way but then again like you said you want to make them both look strong do you have you know do you have sabu lose the match you know clean and then have people sort of be unhappy about it like you right. don't necessarily want to have mysterio lose because mysterio is like a good guy so right they're, they're in a tough spot it's hard I mean, it, yeah. It, yeah it was it was a hard spot to be in it, it's just i don't know i i don't think it was the right way to go um more so that like i said it shouldn't have just ended with them just laid out maybe have like interference or something maybe no, more so like i said and... like maybe the doctor should have called the match off but and then, then Ray, yeah. right? Ray and Sabu should get up and keep fighting, and maybe do another spot, keep going, so that it at least looks like okay, these jackasses ended the match, but they would have kept going if they could, right? As opposed to them just being laid out. I think that's what what came across bad. Um, but that leads us into, I think, arguably our favorite match on the card because we <laughs> used to talk about this so much. We have Edge. Accompanied by Lita with Mick Foley against Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer, uh, accompanied by Beulah M- McGillicuddy. And maybe I should correct myself because they ended up uh, interjecting the women into this match. So technically it was an intergender match. Um, so you had, you know, Edge Lita Mick Foley, uh, Tommy Dreamer, Terry Funk, Beulah McGillicuddy all in all the right. ring at the same time. Now, um, normally I, I'm not a fan of the. Um breast augmentation but i mean lita was looking stunning it's ridiculous that is really what you want to air on the podcast as well, opposed just, to yeah the, how amazing this match was i mean the match was great but i mean lita was so so <laughs> fantastic agreed but <laughs> going into this match um like i said mick foley had just really healed it up um great stuff Terry Funk, it was so cool to get Terry Funk back for a match because Terry Funk um, was the embodiment of ECW. He, There wouldn't have been an ECW without Terry Funk because he was the only legend that was willing to put himself, you know, put other guys over at a time period where people weren't doing that. You know, he could have been selfish and said, oh, I'm going to be the top guy. He never wanted to be. They forced him to be the top guy. That's to tell you something, you know, Terry Funk is a very special human being. Um, he meant a lot to ECW. Um, so I can't, I can't get, I can't talk good things about Terry Funk enough. Uh, but speaking of which, you know, once they got added to the match, I'm talking about, uh, Beulah McGillicuddy and Lita. So Beulah McGillicuddy, just FYI, uh, was Tommy dreamers. She'd been introduced into ECW as like Ravens valet. And basically like, it was so funny, but her gimmick was like a fat girl at, um, camp that tommy dreamer had made fun of or something like that because he was like the jock (laughs) and now she came back as like the supermodel and she was coming back for revenge on tommy dreamer at least that's how it was you know built and then and during the course of ecw they ended up together and then you know that sort of thing but in real life they ended up together too so beulah is the real life wife of tommy dreamer to this day they have twin girls together so in this match, you have Beulah basically saying, you know, I'm going to come to the aid of my husband and take that bitch Lita out. Like, that's the way she said it. Beulah's hardcore. Um, Beulah is hardcore, man. She's uh, She has just done some absolutely amazing things in the business. Um, she is a, not a wrestler at all and yet has had some of the best moments in ECW history. Um, anyway, let's get into the match. You have... <laughs> Uh, Terry Funk halfway through the match was taken out by a barbed wire bat. Um, 
and <laughs> Terry Funk gets taken out of the match because of this. But go ahead, Brandon. I know you want to do the impression. We always do it just because it was just so funny, even though it was not funny. It was kind of like a hardcore thing. But go ahead, Brandon. My eye. My eye, Mick. <laughs> God damn it, Mick, my eye. Like, oh, man, it was great. Screaming and shouting. And uh, it was great. Blood gushing out. Yeah, the head wrapped up. They will he not sold do... it, man. It looked legit. It was great. They don't do it like they used to, man. I was going to say, they will never do something like that again. Absolutely not. Um, it was a great spot. It honestly was. Uh, he comes out in the middle of the match, wrapped all up. Uh, you know, it's just, it's some crazy stuff. Um, really, really hardcore match. I mean, you got Dreamer locking in like a, uh, crippler crossface type thing with barbed wire against Edge's oh, face. Edge. And how about um, Edge, bro? Edge is freaking hardcore, man. Y- y- yeah, and then but let's n- let's not sleep on Lita. Lita took some barbed wire in this match too. And oh yeah, uh, Edge Edge hitting the you know wrapping Dreamer with the barbed wire around his head and then hit him with a DDT. Um, so all of that happens, and then Beulah goes to check on Tommy Dreamer, and then Edge just comes with a full on. Sp- uh, spear and he takes her out and then the best part about it he pins her essentially in the missionary position <laughs> <laughs> like he's going one two three and uh, it's crazy stuff probably the best match of the night rated um, our superstar definitely could have been an ecw right i think so as well i mean it's just great stuff honestly great stuff um i have nothing but good things to say about that match um really wish like i actually thought about it while watching the event back that edge i wish edge had been a part of this ecw revival i think he would have fit um the brand a lot more if you're taking wwe guys there but i get it he was on his uh he was on his rise and you don't want to take an up-and-comer guy that just got into the main event and put him on the ecw show i kind of get it dang super nuts and then after this, speaking of nuts, yeah, speaking of nuts, <laughs> speaking of nuts, <laughs> the next match is Balls Mahoney, big balls, big balls Mahoney against Masato Tanaka. Uh, without going into too much detail, just because it was, it wasn't the most amazing match, but it was like just chair shots upon chair shots, really yeah. hardcore match, really brutal. It was a good match. What is up again, with uh, Tanaka with taking these chair shots? To the head, Tanaka, this guy's on another level. Like he, he really is. Um, and yeah, he's just getting destroyed. And, and uh, he won, uh, Balls Mahoney won after hitting Tanaka with a chair. Um, so, you know, again, not a, it didn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of this pay per view, but that's why it only got like what, like five minutes? Like it wasn't right. a very long match. Uh, but then that leads us to the match that this event is most remembered for. So, RVD. If you remember talking about One Night Stand 2005, didn't get to didn't get to compete at that event. And again, he was the greatest guy to have never been the WWE champion. So now we're going into 2006, WrestleMania 22, RVD won the Money in the Bank contract. So now you go, okay, RVD is going to get a shot at the world, you know, the WWE title. So now you have a situation where had never been done in history. The revival of ECW is happening. RVD comes out, I think, after a, after a John Cena match, and he says, you know, I'm supposed to cash this in on you unexpectedly, but he goes, that's not how I'm going to do this. I want to cha- uh, to challenge you at an event where the f- odds are going to be ext- extremely in my favor. So, of course, we know where this is going. And so he challenges him to a match at One Night Stand 2006. And so again, first time in history that the money in the bank was he you know was used in such a manner where it was a build up to a match, as opposed to just him running out and taking the title. Absolutely <sighs> insane, man! The heat yeah, in this I'm, match, bro. I'm almost speechless. Like this is one of those that you just have to watch because th- if you want to see where the beginning, like the true beginning of the anti Cena stuff starts. There was a little smatterings of, you know, not liking John Cena, not liking his push. But this is where we hit full-blown, fuck you, Cena, same old shit, all of those chants that he got known for. This is the event that started it. 
Uh, See, we got people really f- intensified it. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing a shirt in the crowd. People are throwing it back. Well, let's, right off the bat, I knew it was going to be hostile because somebody up in the balcony had a sign that says, if Cena wins, we riot. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. I knew they meant that because I really do feel like that they would have just completely destroyed the venue if uh, if Cena had won. But like you said, you have a situation where, you know, Cena usually throws his hat, throws his shirt. So he throws his hat, you know, whatever. Gets, I mean, I if you don't like gets, the guy, you still keep it. It's like, oh, I got it. Right. And that's usually shirt, like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's a famous guy who threw his shirt. I'm going to keep it. But you have a situation where they threw the hat back and then he tries to throw the shirt and they throw it back. And so he throws it to the next side of the ring, which Cena doesn't get enough credit for this. Most guys probably would have just been like, he would have thrown the shirt, they throw it back, and he would have been like, oh, well, screw you. Cena understood. And when that shirt got thrown back, he threw it again and it got thrown back. And then he threw it one more time. And this time it looked like the fan was going to keep it. But then I think in one of the funniest shots, I think it was the security guard grabs it out of his hands. <laughs> he like throws it back and he like flicks him off. Yeah, it, it's it's just funny. The heat is intense on this one. And it, I think one of the greatest shots, one of the fans who threw it, it lands on the top rope. And it just it's such a good visual because he actually hit the top rope and like it straddles the top rope, which is pretty cool. Um, so definitely if you don't want to watch the whole event, go watch this match uh, and just listen to the heat that John Cena is getting RVD comes out fucking King. Like he was the savior of ECW. Um, he did his best work in this match. I mean, you have him going toe to toe with John Cena move for move, not just in a hardcore sense, but you know, just in a ring psychology sense, this was a very good match. Um, you have John Cena taking out the referee. Um, and then, you know, he gets replaced by Nick Patrick. Um, a lot of near falls. And then, so let's go back to the end of the match. Um, Edge had won a, basically a match to be the number one contender at Vengeance, which was the pay-per-view in July. So all of a sudden, we have a situation where this guy comes out in a motorcycle helmet and he spears John Cena through a table and he takes off the mask and it's edge. He takes off the helmet, I should say. And the fans go ape shit. And they're just like, thank you, edge. Thank you, edge. And then uh, RVD hits the five star and all the referees are taken out at this point. So how apropos Paul Heyman comes running to the ring and he counts the one, two, three, giving RVD the victory to become one time his first WWE championship. And then, of course, the ECW champion as well. It's craziness. Pretty cool moment. As an ECW fan, it was like cool to see RVD's, you know, ascent to the WWE title also result in being the top of ECW, too. Kind of really appropriate for his character. Dude, so all in all, um, what did you think about this pay-per-view compared to the one night stand before? And that's the problem. I don't compare them. And I think a lot of people do, but they were completely different because this one was the rechristening, the re redemption of a brand, uh, the restart of a brand where the other one was a reunion show. Right. So again, this one, this one was a great way to start off ECW. It really was. Um, I thought the event, we're just talking about the event again. We're not talking about the aftermath right now, but, uh, I think the event was solid, man. It was a really good way to say, okay, tune in Tuesday night to watch, uh, the new breed unleashed and to watch this new ECW. So it, it really hyped me as a fan and it was perfect because we were what, like, uh, 17, 18 at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, this was, you know, we were in full, full blown, uh, t- you know, the teenager that thinks they're an adult kind of thing watching <laughs> ECW, right. you know? So, I mean, it was, it was great. Uh, you know, it overall, it had less buys than the pay-per-view before, but I mean, you had to know that it wasn't marketed as like a one night stand per se. It was marketed as a redemption, you know, for ECW, but right. And you, and you're also saying, you, you know, this is sort of the start of that in your face sort of, F you seen a you know eight. Yeah, this is this is where the, the John he, John Cena hate is just on full display. 
and it hasn't died down ever since you know until maybe 2015 i think is when i really stopped hearing the chants uh this is where it really really started uh you know and then we'll touch on it a little bit but you know you have rvd presented with the ecw title at the next uh, you know the next the ecw on sci-fi i should say and right. then he's like oh i'm gonna keep the spinner uh belt because it spins oh, yeah. <laughs> basically showing that he's wwe and ecw champion right. um don't want to end you know on a negative note but you know rvd did get popped you know for the marijuana like i said with sabu and uh, he ended up dropping the ecw or the wwe title to edge and then the ecw title to i think the want to say the big show i can't remember who it was to be honest mm -hmm. with you uh, but it, it sucked. That sucked because, um, I think that was where the downward spiral of the resurrection of ECW uh, yeah. started. It was that, and I don't want to put all the blame on RVD, but it sucked because I, I think they could have done so much more with that. And, but at the same time, you almost can't blame them. It was bad publicity. I'm not here to talk about, you know, whether it was okay for him to smoke that or not. I'm just saying it was bad publicity for your champion to be caught in such a manner. Um, so I get it. I get it in a way, but overall, Brandon, what do you think about this event? Uh, it, you know, it was cool. It, I, I didn't think they were going to be able to, you know, have something to sort of be as good as their last show, but I think they, they delivered on that and, it definitely had, you know, one of my favorite matches on there with the uh, Edge and uh, McFoley versus Funk and Dreamer. Uh, you know, that's just one of my favorite matches, you know, in the history of since you know I've been watching. You know, just, just funny spots in it. I, I like. I'm always going to remember that sort of thing. And also, I'm always going to remember uh, all the all that heat that uh, Randy Orton and Cena got for the great ECW faithful. They're just giving them hell. So that's was, that was funny. Yeah, this might be the event that like really started off the smart marks. Not to say they didn't exist before, but like I mean, we got to see some real heat on some of these WWE guys. Uh, and you know, one thing we didn't touch on actually talking about mainstream heat. Uh, you had Eugene come out uh, during this <laughs> event, and you know, he's like, my uncle Eric. Uh, used to say I was as smart as an ECW fan, and then you got the Sandman come out, which I think. That was like, I remember people going, ah, oh, because he didn't come out to enter Sandman, which I knew would happen because I'm like, they're going to be on, he's going to be on TV every week. He's got, he can't come out to a copyrighted, you know, mainstream song. He's got to have his own song. And so he came out to that song and I, I almost felt the air leave the arena and they were not happy that the Sandman wasn't using enter Sandman, but he beats the shit out of Eugene in this pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little better note to end the one night standard coverage on. That's right. Poor Eugene. He made okay. the sacrifice. All right, guys. So that will wrap our coverage on ECW one night stand 2005 and 2006. Uh, just want to thank you for listening to the episodes. Um, now I will let you know, we are posting something special soon. Uh, that is actually an interview with ECW original Chris Hamrick, also known as Confederate currency used to be with easy money and their group hot commodity. So, uh, we actually, it was pretty cool interview. Uh, just really awesome dude. Um, so we're going to be posting that separately on, on the YouTube as well as on, um, all streaming platforms, uh, bonus episode this week, uh, which will be pretty cool. Um, but I just wanted to thank you all for listening to episode 17 of a Kenny for your thoughts podcast, the podcast where Brandon's really sad because we're not covering ECW anymore. His favorite organization. Isn't that right, Brandon? Well, number two to TNA actually, but <sighs> yeah, I should have known. Also, before we go off air, I do want to remind you to go to wrestlecrate.com and get 20% off of your first WrestleCrate with code. The code is, uh, something with Kenny. So the code, Brandon, is save a Kenny. Save a Kenny. Save a Kenny. Twenty like percent, uh, right? Exactly. <laughs> For your twenty percent off of your first Russell crate. Um, listen to us on all streaming platforms at this point. Uh, leave us a five star review as well as a good rating. Please ignore the stuff Brandon says. Just give give me the good rating. Say I'm a good host. Uh, because if you mention Brandon stuff, I know our ratings do go down. Uh, <laughs> But thank you so much for listening to our two-part series of a Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast, our special ECW episodes. Thank you again. ECW.
Can't fool your thoughts.